Good morning, this is Dan Margulies filling in for Rabbi Linzer. And we are starting from the last line of Amud, Lamed Aleph, Amud Aleph. Tani Avimi Bere de Rabbi Abahu. So Avimi, the son of Rabbi Abahu, said, Yesh ma'achil ila aviv pisioni. There are people who feed their parents pheasants. The tardomin ha'olam, and that drags them out of the world. The yesh matchino be'rechayim. And there are people who make their parents grind behind a millstone, and that brings them for Olam Haba. Rabbi Linzer spoke very beautifully yesterday about how it so shows a deep uh, subjectivity uh, or, or contextual uh, necessity for context in understanding the relationships involved with Kibbutz Vaim and Mora Aim Vav in a way that other mitzvot maybe don't have the same kind of uh, need for context. Okay. Amar Avimi So I'm now going to give you an example. My son Avimi, Kie uh, Mitzvah Kibud. How well did he keep the Mitzvah Kibud? So we got the next best thing. So that worked out perfectly. Okay. So Avimi Bray. Uh, that is, Rabbi Abba, who is saying about Avimi, his son, Kiye mitzvah kibud. He did the mitzvah kibud. How so? Chamisha bani samche havalei la Avimi bechay Aviv. So Avimi himself had five sons. It's a question of how to understand bnei samche. Does bnei samche mean that they were already had received smicha? It seems strange to think that that was happening in Lavel, um, or that they were suitable to receive smicha. Or it means samuchal Does it mean that they were just grown children? It's not exactly so clear what it's talking about, but he had five of some sort of children in, in his father's lifetime. And when Rabbi Abahu would come visit, that is when the grandfather would show up, the father, Avimi, would do what? So when Rabbi Abahu would come, Kari Abava, he would call at the doorway, Rahid So Avimi, that is his son, even though he has five grown children of his own, he would run to the door and open the door, Amar in in And he would say, Yes, yes, like, yes, I'm coming, until he would reach the door. That is, he wouldn't let his children do kibud for their grandfather, he would make sure to do it himself. Uh, one thing I heard from Rabbi Love, and, and Rabbi Linzer was very uh, pleased to hear it, it seemed, was just the notion that so many of the stories about kibud Ava'im are not about what we normally think of uh, teenage children relating to their middle-aged parents. Most of the stories in the Gemara about kibud Ava'im are about adult children relating to their elderly and growing elderly parents. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different mode of relationship when you're trying to balance, on the one hand, the relationship you have with your parents and also the relationship you have with your spouse, your children, and other uh, needs in life. We don't know how old these people were. We don't know how old these people were, but he had, married a lot younger. he had five grown children. The point is he had a household that he was responsible for. Um, they were back then. Anyway, okay, it's just important to note. You see uh, uh, continually, and especially on today's DAF, a number of examples which touch on things that seem like dementia or seem like uh, progressive decline of elderly parents and to think about how that teaches us about Mitzvah Kibbutz Avaim in a very different way. Yeah. Spencer says that Rabbi Abahu was in Eretz Israel, but Avimi lived in Babel. So that's also interesting to consider the fact that maybe he didn't get to see him so often. So when, when he would come to visit, it was a big to-do and, none, and he reserved the, the right to do the mitzvah for himself, interestingly. Okay. So the next, the next case. Okay. Yomachad, one day, Amarle, Ashkein Maya. He said, pour me some water. The grandfather. The grandfather. Asked, asked Avimi, his son, pour me some water. 
So by the time he had gotten to him, Nimnam Gachin, he was already he was already snoring asleep. So Kayale Adi Itar, he stood there next to him until he woke up. So and because of this action, he merited to be able to interpret the uh the Mizmor actually today's Shir Shalyom Mizmor La'asaf Elohim Nitzav Badat El so interesting to think about again the question of how much is Kibbutz Ve'im related to the relationship between human beings and God is the relationship similar to how a person relates to their parents okay Amar Le Rav Yaakov Bar Abu Ala Abay Kigon Ana I'm going to give you another Actually, example. And Tosos, and Tosos has a long Tosos. Which, yeah, which has different means more lasaf. It's yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, which which means more lasaf? Anyway, the Rishonim deal with it. Um, okay. So, Amar so, Rabbi Yaakov Baravu Alabai. Interesting. His name is Baravuha, the son of his father. Uh, you know, you always wonder when you see somebody named Abba in the, in the Gemara, was the name actually Abba, or was it just that they had the same name? And since you can't call your parents' name they would use Abba as a substitute. But anyway, so, when I would get back from Yeshiva, so Abba, my father would pour me a glass of wine, the Ima Mazgali, and my mother would, would mix the wine with the water. So, what should I do? That is, his parents are being deferential to him. They each prepared a glass of wine for him, and now he wants to know what should I do. So he asked, so Amarlei, Meimecha Kabel, you should receive it from your mother, Ume Abucha Lote Kabel, don't receive it from your father, the Kevan de Bar Torahu, because your father himself is, is a Ben Torah, that is, he's, he's a learned man. So, Chalsha Date, he'll be more hurt by you. The, the son accepting the drink from him. Now, it's very strange. This Can is a... <laughs> couldn't he take both? Couldn't... Isn't this kind of a strange role reversal? He's offending right, it's strange to think, but, but again, what, what number of layers are going on in this story? This is parents treating their son the way we're meant to think that the children should be treating their parents. And this is also how much does it play in that he's a Tamil Chacham and how their respect and honor for him as a Tamil Chacham is, is playing into their familial relationship. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, each of these different stories you could spend, you know, a long time analyzing psychologically and, and with Rishonim and all sorts of things. Okay. Okay. So when Rabbi Tarfon's mother was needed to get into bed, so he would lie down and she would step up on him. And whenever she would come down from the bed, she would step down on him. So she, I guess she was very frail or she wasn't able to climb up into the bed or climb down from the bed herself, so she needed Rabbi Tarfon's help and Rabbi Tarfon would lie down on the ground in order to be a step stool for his mother. So, when Rabbi Tarfon came to the Beit Midrash and he was kind of like bragging about how well he had done the mitzvah of Kibbut Aveim, Kibbut Aim in this case, so he got to Lachati Kibbut. You haven't even reached half of what Kibbut is. Have you reached the point where if she would throw your wallet into the ocean in front of you, that you would not get upset at her, you would not be angry at her? So, 
this raises major questions for, for the post scheme about how much money or how much personal embarrassment does a person have to suffer in order to uh, fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbut Aveim. Those are two separate questions, and in this case, it's part of unpacking what's the role of the wallet in the story. Is it throwing your wallet away just because it's a hefsed mamo and you're losing the money in the wallet? Or is it very embarrassing that you let your parents treat you in this way in public? Um, again, thinking about how is it parents embarrass their children in public? How is it that children often embarrass their parents in public? Uh, so embarrassing anyone in public? Well, that, that, that's how uh, Rashi, I think, makes it into a question of embarrassment. No? Um, it's just, uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's not like right. people. Okay, but it comes up later as well. So when Rav Yosef would hear his mother coming, he said, I'm going to get up to greet the Shechina who is coming by. He was very deferential. I'm Rav Yochan. Asher Mishalo Chaman. So Rav Yochan, Ki Avar Toimo, made... Ki Avar Toimo, made Avi... I'm sorry, what Sorry, I'm sorry. I got mixed up a little bit. Sorry, what does this word mean? I forget now. Chaman. So, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan. Rashi explains it. I don't know what the word is. he gets angry? I think so, but now... Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I got a little bit mixed up. Okay. So, Rabbi Yochanan. Is it from the Chamiya? Like Something like that. It's better not to see them because right. never... Right. You know... Um, Translated or rather, translated is saw. Yeah, exactly. Right. They think Kokomi Yochanan, and it's better not to see them. It's just right. It's just an ironic way of saying it, since I can never do what I need to. Right. Do, someone's better not to see right. Them. Okay. So Yochanan ki avar toimo, made avi. That sounds like you know. Right. Ki ki avar toimo, made avi biyad to made avimo. Right. They say that it, 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 that you should never have even seen that your your parents. Uh, pass away. You'll never be able to properly fulfill the mitzvah. Right. But isn't that making some, the bar so high? That Wait, it's all that's, that's the other voice in this. Right. Wait, sorry. No, then they explained when Rabbi Yochanan's mother was meaning like he, when he, she was pregnant with him his father died and then as soon as he was born she died. Mm-hmm. Right. So he never had the opportunity. Right. To see his parents, he never had to right. He was orphaned his whole life for them to be able to because he never failed right he never failed it's like a lot of justification for making such a statement right meaning it's for his own life right and again the question of do you see do you see the mitzvah as an opportunity or do you see the mitzvah as something which has such a high bar that you're unable to to live up to so so when his mother became pregnant, mate Aviv, when she gave birth, then his mother died. And Abai also. So interestingly, a, a trope of this kind of orphaning of great Amoraim, almost suggesting that they became great because they lived under such difficult circumstances, but also it enabled them to not have failed at Kibbutz So, Eni the Hamar, Abai Amrali, 
Aim Hahi Amar Right. So Abai always references his mother. So now Hahi Amar That was his uh, nurse, his uh, uh, adopted mother. Right. And again, the question of how do we consider adoptive parents in halacha is an important and and sensitive issue. Uh, but obviously, there are a lot of poskim who really do consider the relationship between an adoptive parent to be of great significance. Obviously, uh, even the notion of Milamdo um, Torah is like Megadlo, that teaching a student Torah and obviously raising someone as your own child is, is equivalent in many ways to actually having uh, raised your own child and it's of great significance. Okay. Ravasi Havileha he ima zikena. He had, Ravasi had uh, an old mother. Amalei ba'ina tachshitin. She said, I want jewelry. Avalei ba'ina gavra analelei ba'ina gavra de shapir kutech. So shavka ba'azala ard Yisrael. So, basically, he got very frustrated with his mother's request, and eventually he just decided, I'm going to go to Eretz Yisrael. Okay? So, Shama de Ka'azla Abarthet. Well, we for sure. Did he maybe go to Eretz Yisrael to find her husband? It sounds like he went to run away. <laughs> I don't know, at least from how I would read the story. Um, perhaps you read it the other way. I don't know. Right? But, okay. So, Shama de Ka'azla Abarthet. So, he heard that she followed him. So he went to Rabbi Yochanan. Am I allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael in order to go to Chutz Laaretz to escape my mother? So he said Asur. What if I'm going to go visit my mother? Right, he, meaning he's trying to escape his mother. But he's asking the question, are you allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutz Laaretz? Answer, no. Question number two. Am I allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutz Laaretz to visit my mother? And he says, Eini Yodea. As, no. as if to say, Rabbi Yochanan already somehow knew something was fishy with the story. Um, so, um, it's an interesting question of, again, how to unpack a lot of what's going on here. But obviously, this is Ravasi uh, seemingly having a lot of difficulty relating to his mother as she got, as she got older. Okay. So, Irtach Put Porta. Hadar Ata Amrlei. Asi. Did Rashi say this? Is the same Rabbi Yochanan who is grateful not to have parents? Yes. So that's also the point, right? And uh, again, each of their characters are coming in together. So he says now the point that uh, Rabasi is worried. His is uh, so Amarle Asi. Did Rashi say He said Asi. You you want to leave? So Hamakom Yachzirecha LaShalom. Then God should protect you on your journey back. Asi LaKamid Rabbi Eliezer. And he went to go see Rabbi Eliezer. Chas v'shalom. No, you should never leave. Dilma mitzvah Maybe, she, maybe she's going to get angry at you, uh, or maybe God is going to get angry at you, or maybe you're going to get angry at Rabbi Yochanan. Um, look, Rashi says that chas v'shalom mitzvah tzachach alai Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan is going to be angry at me, Rabbi Eliezer, if I paskin against it. So even though I might support you in this situation, uh, again, Rabbi Yochanan doesn't know what it's like to deal in this situation. Well, maybe Rabbi Yochanan will be angry at you for really wanting. Well, he'll be to angry at you, or he'll be angry at me. Right. So you know, he said, "All right, fine, you can go." Right. So there are two different ways to read how, who he's angry at. So Amar So my Amar Lach, Amar Hamakom Yachzirecha LaShalom. So he said, "God should protect." you on your journey home. So if he was going to get angry at you, he wouldn't have given you such a bracha. So at that point, he, he sort of got the sense that he should be going. Okay. 
Amar. Arona. Is it here? They say like his mother's coffin. His mother's coffin. Yeah. Because at that point, he heard, so what happened? By the time he had figured out that he was going to go back and see her, she had already died. What do you mean, see, he knew that uh, she was in there? No, but she, right, so she was coming to Israel, and he thought that she was just chasing after him to bother him. And then, by the time he had decided, okay, now I'm going to go to Bavel, which was running away from her, or was going back to her, depending on whether she had come to Israel or not, it was too late. Okay. So, Amar, if I had known, I would not have left. Meaning, if I had known that my mother's life was coming to an end, I wouldn't have left her alone in Bavel for her to have to send for herself. Uh, it's interesting also to note that she was already in the coffin and be, being brought to be buried by the time he encountered her. That is, somebody else took care of the burial. Uh, presumably, the rest of his family was still in Bavel, so it's interesting to consider um, you know, what kind, now he feels a deep guilt about not having been involved in her burial either. Okay. You have an obligation of kibud for parents, both in their lifetime and after their death. Bechayav ketzad, how you keep kavod in their lifetime. Hanishma bedavar aviv lomakom, lo yomar shilucheni b'shvil atzmi, mahareni b'shvil atzmi. So if you're in a, if you have to go do something, you can't say, let me go, send me along so I can go for myself, or speed me along so I can go for myself, pitaruni b'shvil atzmi, or let me do it for myself. Ela kulhu b'shvil abba. Everything is for, for my parent, or for my father. Bimoto ketzad. In his death, how do you honor him? Hayomer davar lo yomar kach amar abba. You can't say this is what my father said. Elakach amar abba mori hareni kaparat mishkavo. You say this is what my father, my teacher said, for whom I am the atonement for his mishkav, his lying down, that is his his burial, his grave. That, you really actually have to say that. Okay, so we say vahani milei chodesh. That's only in the first twelve months. Afterwards, you say So the first 12 months, there's a notion that the child provides kapara for their parents, deceased parents. And so uh, throughout those 12 months, whenever you're thinking of your parents, whenever you mention your parents, you're supposed to mention the notion of hareni kaparat mishkavo. Um, and I've heard some people who are mockbeat about that and often not so mockbeat again. Parents may also have expressed uh, wishes about how they want to be remembered after they pass on, and that kavod uh, applies as well. Um, yeah, but is there really a, a notion that you should be taking upon yourself, you know, with someone else's punishment? Like but that? it's not. It's, 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 it's unclear what hareni kaparat mishkavo means. Pre- presumably, at least it's become associated with our notion of saying kaddish and, and going to minion regularly after a parent uh, passes away in order to pray on their behalf and to somehow speed them along in their uh, post, post-mortem something, whatever it is, Ghanim or, or uh, into Olam Haba. Uh, there's, two there's two ways of approaching this. One is like, okay, you know, I'll do whatever I can to improve the Olam Haba by doing Zichuyot, but there's another way is a negative. In other words, all evil will fall me. It's a Rashi. But if he's not, right. All evil do to them will fall me. Like that's right, but the phrase Kaparat Mishkavo is, is intentionally ambiguous. Uh, it means, in some way, how I live my life is beneficial for my deceased right. parents. Yeah. The way Rashi, well, Rashi has a very heavy uh, notion. I mean, again, thinking about you know so many of the uh, pietistic practices from Hasidic Ashkenaz trickle into Ashkenazi halacha based on uh, after you know all morning practices. A lot of that comes through that that stream. So it could also be also in the positive. It could also be positive, right? Everything good yeah, that you do now. Right. Right. Okay. Tenor Banan Chacham. 
Mishana Shem Aviv Veshem Rabo. So when a person is a Chacham, he's a rabbi, is teaching a Shir or something, you have, when you're quoting something from your parent or from your teacher, you have to change their name. That is, you have to say, not just, you know, Rabbi so-and-so, but you have to say, my Rebbe said such and such. Okay, Turgaman Eino Mishana. But the Turgaman, again, the Turgaman is the one who sits next to the person teaching the Shir and says it over again, louder and clearer and better explained, uh, gives the Chazara Shir, something like that. So the Turgaman does not have to change the name because it presumably is not so. The Gemara has to ask. So, lo shem aviv, lo shem rabo. So, avu adiman, whose father are they talking about? I lem avu aditurgaman, if it's the turgaman's father, atiturgaman la barchiyuvahu. So what, you're telling me that a turgaman is somehow exempt from showing kavod for, for his parents? Ela amarava shem aviv shel chacham, the shem rabo shel chacham. No, it's the teacher of the chacham, or the of par, of parents of the chacham. And therefore, that's why the chacham has to change it, but the turgaman doesn't have that relationship. Presumably also the clarity from the presentation from the Turgaman is also necessary. That is, for the Turgaman, the goal is clarity. And so it's also a sense of, that's maybe the Havamina, which is rejected. So he was teaching the Shir, and he would say, So when the Turgaman would repeat it, he would say, this is what Ravashi said. So that's what Marba Ravashi, when Marba Ravashi would teach, he would just say, and the Turgaman would repeat it over like that. What's the difference between Mora and Kibu? These are two separate mitzvot, so what are their parameters? Mora, lo amod omeid bimkomo, don't stand in his place, velo yoshev bimkomo, and do not sit in his place, velo sotera dvarav, do not contradict him, or do not soter, destroy his, uh, his words. It's an interesting formulation. Velo machrio, um, Okay, and don't contradict. Kibud ma'achilu ma'ashkem malbish um And the obligations of kibud are providing food, providing drink, malbish clothing um presumably pajamas or or heat in the winter time, depending. Uh, in some sense, the same kind of uh, requirement. So similar to malbish, malbish is what you wear during the day. Mechase is what you wear at night. Machnisu motzi, and also transportation. That is bringing them to where they need to go. Motzi, bringing them back. Okay, Michelle me. So whose money has to pay for this? That is fine. The children have the responsibility to perform all of these actions for their parents. They have to provide that they have food and that they have something to drink and have clothing to wear. But whose money pays for it? Charlie, you have a question. About the previous um, Yeah. There are lots of examples in Shas where sons disagree halachically with fathers. Ah, okay. So that's an in- interesting and important question as well. That is, in a halachic debate, we saw, what, yesterday or two days ago, right? Vahez Vesufa. The, the whole significance of in, in Talmud Torah, we have lower level of concern about people's honor and people's respect mm-hmm. because of the, we're all looking for the truth. We're all fighting for what we believe is correct. So that's a situation where there's less kavod. But in real life, but because Ein Kavod Ela Torah, so the Torah itself re- represents uh, the Kavod that we're trying to show, and that different kind of discourse uh, characterizes the, the halachic debate, I would say very differently than a normal day-to-day life, where you obviously would have to have much more a deferential relationship. Uh, and there have been a lot of uh, svarim written about Kibbut Avaim that take a very I would say traditionalist approach that is taking from the Gemara and just sort of understanding things very 
literally, and there are a lot of books that have also tried to make clear how to apply these halachot in situations that maybe our parents aren't makpid about which seat at the dining room table they sit at, but there are other things that they are more makpid about, and to think about how, how even if the Gemara says, okay, what's mora? if I know my father is not going to be upset by that or my mother is not going to be upset by that but I know something else that will bother them very deeply maybe there is also room to reconsider is it very formal and technical in this way or, or does it really mean to bring about that emotional and relational state of mora and, and kabod so that, those are really major halachic questions ok so fine so Ibailu Michelle me who's money Ravi Hudamar Michelle Ben it has to be from the child's the possessions. Rav Nathan Baroshia Omar Michel Av. Rav Nathan Baroshia, uh, Rav Nathan Baroshia says it has to be the parents' money. That is, they have to save for retirement. But once they're not able to manage their own affairs, the children have to administer the money appropriately to provide all of the necessities for their parents. So that's like the notion of a retirement account. So Oruli Rabbanan Lerav Yirmiya Amri La Libre Derav Yirmiya Kemanda Mar Michel Av. So they taught over this whole uh, sugya, and they passed that it was Michel Ab. That is, the parents, the parents' uh, property pays for this obligation. The pasuk says you have to honor your parents. Just like the comparison we had already, the pasuk from Mishle, you have to show kavod to God as well. Just like their kavod for God has to be chesron kis, you have to lose money. So here too, you have to lose the money. The Amar Michel Av, my Naskilimine, Libitum Malacha. No, it's not about actually spending your own money. It's about Bitum Malacha, that is taking time off of work to care for your parents. This is a very different notion of Chesron and Kis. It's not, I have to go and spend the money for X, Y, and Z. It's that I have to take time off of work. And that the amount of money I lose in a salary, uh, it's interesting to think about what other things are you required to take off from work to do. Um, well, <laughs> and in the halachic situation, we think about cholamoid is a kind of is a time you take off from work uh, and other kinds of things. Where even if certain malachot are permitted, but in a broader sense, you have other responsibilities. I, I don't know why that jumped into my head right now. Okay, so Tashma shnei achim shnei shutzvin ha'avubno ha'ravetalmido podin zelazem lasyersheni. So now we have a bright. There are two brothers together or two business partners, or a parent and a child, or a teacher and a student, they can do the pidyon maiser sheni, and not just for themselves, where they have to add a chomesh, but they can even do it for each other, where they can avoid paying chomesh, because if you're pot of someone else's maiser sheni, then there's no chomesh, and they can eat each other's maiser ani. That is, you have to give my sarani to someone who's too poor. If you're in this kind of situation, you're both reciprocally poor, so you give it to the other one, and then you get to eat it. Yes? Why would you think otherwise? You might not have thought otherwise. This okay. is the okay. this is a tosefta for my sushani. It's an important halacha to be aware of. I'm not sure what the uh, hava mina would have been otherwise, but this is being brought in here in the discussion of the chesron kis issue. Um, that is, if someone, if your <laughs> parents can be poda, your master sheni and things like that. So be amart Michelle Ben. If you're going to tell me that the children have to pay for their parents, nimsa Michelle anim. Because if you feed your parents with master ani, then you're stealing from anim in order to give it to your parents. Unless you yourself are poor. Okay, unless you, unless they are poor. That is, if your parents are poor enough that they should get maaser ani anyway. But the assumption of this price, at least, is that not, and therefore maaser ani is completely cool and 
Correct. Poor person can do whatever he wants with it. Correct. But it's porea chovo michelanim. That is, you have a financial lien on your property as a child to provide food for your parents. It's not just a nice thing. Kibbut Avaim is not just a nice thing. It's a chov. It's a real technical legal obligation. And therefore, if you owe your parents the money, the food to provide for them, and you are taking Meiser Ani and feeding your parents with it, you're porea chovo bishelanim. Now, how much is that a, a rhetorical move? How much is that halachic move is really a question of how to read all of these sugyot. That is, these are the halachot of kibbut avaim, but somehow to us they feel less halachic in a sense. It feels much more um, not tied down in the same way, uh, and that's why we have the riff and the rambam to solidify it. Okay. So, parechavo mishalanim la'atrich la'adifa. No, it was extra. It wasn't actually Maser Ani. Hachi hainu dektani Allah. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Tavo me'ir l'mishem achila. Rabbi Maser Ani. And Rabbi Yehuda said a person should be cursed who feeds his father Maser Ani. Vihila dafa ma'nafkimina. Why should there be nafkimina? I mean, what's the difference if you're feeding him the extra, not the actually the Maser Ani? Okay. Um... Uh, it must be to, um, sorry I skipped the line um, no it's still not nice it's still not appropriate that is it may be technically permitted to feed your parents Master Ani exactly like Charlie was saying nonetheless the fact is it's not appropriate um, because you should be feeding them food that you buy or that they buy or something okay Tashma Shalud how far do you have to go for Kiwud Abayim? Amar Lahem, Kedeshi told Arnako, Arnaki Vizer Kenuliyam Bifanav, Ve'enu Machlimo. So he said, it has to be to the point where your parent takes your wallet from you and throws it into the sea in front of you and you do not get upset. Right, but the difference is you can still, like, you know, super damages. Ah, okay, so that's another question. Meaning, already we said, if the obligation is Michelle Ben, then it would make sense to a certain extent. That is, you owe the parent money mom says that, look I already have enough to eat I'm going to take your money and throw it in the sea that is the money was mine it was similar to the oh, Kiddushin yeah, case I mean, we had at uh, 20 doctors ago to, you know, right it's a little bit different it is a little bit different I mean conceptually it's not any different no. the fact is that emotionally it feels very different to have wasted one dollar than a thousand dollars but functionally it's the same it's interesting, it goes back to the sugya about 20 days ago, where Harayam HaKudeshet Li and, and the, it was Raktolayam, the woman takes the Kiyushin money and throws it into the ocean. Does that mean that she accepted it and was demonstrating her ownership over it by throwing it away? Or was it a way of rejecting it? How do you get into how technically or how uh, psychologically or, or, or um, realistically do you parse that uh, situation? Who is entitled to hire divers to go get the money? Mm-hmm. And right. if the money is retrieved, who owns it? Well, that's also a good question. And that's the whole aspect of maritime law that deals with For sure. The there was a great, a great section in um, 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 Cannery Row where in Prohibition there was the diver was hired to mm. uh, bring all of the booze down to the bottom of the ocean mm. or, and he would only pr- bring up one-tenth of what he found and the rest he would sell to the bars. Uh, okay. So, if you're going to say that it, the requirement comes from the parents' money, so, so, because if the parent Meaning the test of kibbutz aim is that they won't get angry at you, you. You don't get angry at them when they waste your money. Well, that only makes sense if obligation is parents' money, not children's money. So the nafkamina is ra'uil your show. That is, if you are one of the children who is going to inherit from their parents' estate. That is, if they waste their own money, 
then you're going to be upset that they're wasting their own money. And that's also a test of how angry you get at them or not. Okay. The Chihad, the Rabbi Barav Huna, the Rav Huna Kara, Shirai, the Anpei, so, and, and this is like the case of Rav Huna, uh, so in the case of Rabba Barav Huna, that is Rabba, the son of Rav Huna, in front of Rav Huna, his father, this is already Rav Huna was very aged, Karash, Shirai, Be'anpei, and he tore a very expensive silk in front of Be'anpei, Rabba Bray, in front of his son Rabba. I'm going to test whether he gets angry or not. Okay, so maybe he's going to get angry. The Ka'avar al-Lifna'ivir. Then he set up a situation where now Rav Huna will be over on Lifna'ivir because he's made his son get angry at him. So you shouldn't set people up in these kind of tricks, right? We also saw with the marital case as well. Uh, oh, I'm going to test whether he gets angry or not. So it, somehow there are a lot of themes playing out throughout the first parak here that uh, there are Choser al-Atzman, interestingly. Okay. Maybe he must have already, he was already Mochel. Okay, so Eliakre on, on its value, the Hakavar Mishum Bal Tashrit. So he still he's destroying a shirt, a very nice uh, silk shirt. Okay, so that's Bal Tashrit. You shouldn't just wantonly destroy things for no reason. The Abed Lei He did it in a place where it was in the tailor's shop. So it's not going to cost him anything because they're going to fix it up. Or it was on the edge of the shirt or something. It was in a place where it wouldn't really damage the value. It just, it looks very dramatic, but it's not actually going to damage the shirt. Okay. So maybe then he wouldn't get angry because he'll also know that, that it was in the place where it's not going to damage the shirt. So, he did it when he was already in an angry, prone to being angry. This is a very strange story. What's happening? Rafuna is testing his son, Rabba, whether or not he's going to get angry in a time when he's already starting to get angry. He's trying to egg him on to test his kibbutah ve'im. It seems very strange. Um, and there are a lot of halachic obstacles to Rav, what Rav Huna did. That is, Val uh, Tashrit, don't destroy the shirt. Lifnei Iver, don't set up a situation where, where your son is going to sin. So, to a certain extent, it makes sense to read this as Rav Huna not thinking rationally. Rav Huna is just doing whatever, but the Gemara is now trying to explain or justify Ravuna's actions in a, in a seemingly very uh, contrived way. So if a father tears a shirt on Shabbat, I mean, isn't that, I mean, that's being with Hal Shabbos. That's just not an ordinary... That's a separate question for now. The Gemara in Shabbos talks extensively about Koreal Meito and then what kind of emotional release comes from tearing a garment to a certain extent is sometimes constructive. So you'd be chayev, but in other cases it's mechalkel, so you wouldn't be chayev, and it's lachashin tzvichalagufa. It's a long sugi there in the kuf lamed-ish in Shabbos, something like that. I'm getting the daf wrong. Okay. So, what happens if Nisrafim, people who are Chayav Srefa, get mixed up among the criminals who are Nisrafim, who are going to be stoned? So, this was from Rabbi Chazkel asked Rami, his son. Okay. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Yadunu Beskila. So he says, everybody should get skila because Srefa is a more extreme punishment, and therefore, and that's Rabbi Shimon's opinion, again, this is my big machlokas in Sanhedrin, which of the different Arba Mitot is the worst. So Rabbi Shimon thinks that Srefa is worse than skila and therefore they should all get skila because you should give them, if in the case of Safek, give them the less severe punishment. Now, of course, it's interesting to think, if the Torah prescribes that these people have to get Srefa and not skila you might think, we have no right to execute them in any way at all. If we're not going to give them straight, but if they're all mixed up, then every one of these criminals now is a suffix. But that's sort of not how Rabbi Shimon addresses it. So anyway, so Shasri Fachamura. Amar Rabbi Yehuda Abba. 
Don't teach like this. You shouldn't say that it's because Sreifa is more severe. You should say that it's because the majority of the people there are Chayev Skila. In other words, don't say that you're doing a less severe punishment, just say Batal Barov. So, and he told his father, the important part, he said, Abba lo titnaya. Don't, uh, lo hachi. Don't teach like this. So he said, Ella hachi naya. This is how you should teach it. If people who are going to be stoned were mixed among the rove of people who are going to be uh, Nisraf, so the Chachamim's opinion say you should do Shreifa because they disagree with Rabbi Shimon about which punishment is worse and they think that Skila is worse than Shreifa. So my read is Skila Chamura why, why should we learn that Skila is, is worse? So take Glei to Ruben Yisrafim so he pushed back against his son. He said, look, but the Seifa said it's not because of, of um, who's the rove, it goes by which is more severe. So Amr Hatam Rabbanan, who the Kamr the Rabbi Shimon, the Kamar Sreifa Chamura. Because Rabbi Shimon is the one who says Sreifa Chamura. La, Skila Chamura. And Chachamim are trying to force their opinion on Rabbi Shimon to convince him that Skila is more Chamur by teaching the Seifa. That is, the ratio of that Mishnah is from Rabbi Shimon, and the Seifa is Chachamim responding to him. The whole point of this discussion here about Mitzad Beitin is brought in about where it's a machloket between father and son that maybe was not the most deferential. That is, he said, oh, Abba, lo titnai hachi, don't teach it like this. So he says, el hachi nah, you should teach it like this. So Amr le Shmuel Rabbi Yehuda. Shinana. So Shmuel said to uh, Rabbi Yehuda, Shinana. Now Shinana is a nickname that's unclear what it means. Either it's from Shinun, like learning, you're very learned, or Shinana means you show your teeth a lot. Either he had sharp teeth, or he smiled a lot, or he... So some kind of sarcastic. He's very sharp. It's unclear. So she says, You shouldn't speak to your father this way. If you see your father violating some avera, don't tell him, Father, you are violating the words of the Torah. So you should tell him, it's written like this in the Torah. Like you see your father wearing shatnas, you don't say, Father, you're violating Shatnez. You say, doesn't it say in the Torah, Lotil Ba Shatnez? That's more of a deferential way of, of saying the same thing. Uh, but he said, but wait, if you're going to say, Kach Katu Batora, isn't that going to cause him Tsar? Elo Omer Lo, Abba, Mikra Katu Batora Kach. Don't even say, this is written in the Torah. He says, there's a Pasuk that says, Lotil Ba Shatnez. Okay. But there are a lot of things people say righteous that are not explicit in the Torah. That's also uh, well. Let's pause for a moment and consider the Rambam's shita is very important here, which is that many of the things that we call quote deoraita and which their halachic weight is what we would call deoraita. The Rambam calls not deoraita, not min hatorah, but he calls midivrei sofrim because the Rambam thinks the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah is very clear in the Perish Mishnah that things which are explicit in the Torah, that's what is min hatorah. And things which are not explicit in the Torah, which are learned out from Drashot and things like that, are much more, they're, they're sort of the next step down. They're not what we would call the Rabbanan. They're somehow a middle category. The weight is what we would call the Oraita weight, but it's not explicit in the Torah. And there are many Nafkaminas, and there, we saw even a few days ago the question of, oh, it's Midrash Chachamim Hu, so fine. There's a Midrash Chachamim, that's what we would call a Oraita. But because it's learned from a Midrash, it's less than an explicit Pasuk. Um, it's, that's a big sarachiyun. Um, okay. So Eliezer ben Matya Omer. Abba Omer Heshkini Maim. 
What if my father asks me for a glass of water and I have a mitzvah to go do? I have to go to shul. I have to go do bikr cholim. I have to, uh, I don't know, some other mitzvah. So, So should I not, not neglect the kavod for my father and go do the mitzvah? Because my father and myself are both obligated in the same mitzvah. That is, I don't know, I, I try to think of a good example, but there's something going on in the street, and I need to go, you know, raise money for Pidyan Shvuim or something. Again, it depends on the kind of mitzvah also, right? Um, a mitzvah overet is going to be a very different way of relating to this than mitzvah she'en overet. Like, okay, if I can wait two minutes and then go do the mitzvah, obviously I should pour the glass of water and then just go and do the mitzvah. So it's kind of a strange question. But the point is that I and my parent are both obligated to do this mitzvah equally, and therefore I should leave aside kavod av or in order to go do the mitzvah. So each ben Yehud Omer, if other people can do the mitzvah, then let other people do it. And you should do kavod av. That is, nobody else is going to do this mitzvah for you. Right? Your parent asked you to do something. There's no one else who's going to do that. You have to do that. So the fact is, if the other mitzvah is a mitzvah that's nasit al yedei then, then, and that category distincting, uh, distinguishing between mitzvah it could be done by someone else and mitzvah that only you can do uh, comes up in a lot of contexts I remember uh, hearing when I was in yeshiva in Israel there was someone who wanted to go uh, volunteer for Magen David Adom while they were in yeshiva and there was a big halachic discussion in the Chardal community about how to really the opinion to not allow that because look if you're a yeshiva student fine there are other people who are ambulance drivers there are other people who are EMTs and that's a mitzvah now other communities may take a different approach to that but it's important to consider that, that there are people who have certain responsibilities and other responsibilities and you're in a different you know yeah. By that argument, yeshiva students should be serving in the army. It's a major question. Uh, but we have explicit prices to talk about yeshiva students uh, going to serve in the army when That's it's right. necessary. So <laughs> there's much more to talk about uh, about those kind of things. But it's a really, uh, you know, you always see Chazal navigating the tension between different responsibilities, and you know, there are only 28 hours in a day. Uh, so. Uh, there's a lot of life to squeeze into a short time, uh, and that's exactly the difficulty here. Okay, so Amar Rav Matna Halacha ki Isi Ben Yehuda. So Rav Matna finally says he he responds to Isi Ben Yehuda. He says Halacha is like Isi Ben Yehuda. That is, if it's mitzvah of Shar Le'Asoda Yedei Achayrim, other people can go do this mitzvah, then you have to take care of Kibud Avaim. And you can think of many examples. Now there are many mitzvot that you have to do yourself. Mitzvah Shibegufo or mitzvah that you have a specific chiyuv. You know, you have to go hear the Megillah reading. You have to go light your Hanukkah candles, those are mitzvot that other people probably can't, Hanukkah candles maybe somebody else could do for you, but, but uh, Megillah reading, nobody else can do that for you, you have to go and hear the Megillah, so that would override uh, Kibbut Abayim. If a parent uh, is mochel, they, they forgive on their honor, they cancel out their honor, then their honor is, is forgiven. Their honor is negated. So you can imagine, whatever was kavod, kavod was machilo, mashkehu, malbish, mechase, machnismuti. If a parent tells you, I don't need you to buy my food for me anymore. Now again, they, it's from Michelle Av anyway. They, they're buying it with their own money, but they need someone to do their errands. The parent says, look, I'm okay this week, you know, you don't need to go do it for me. Then, kvodo machul. You don't have to insist on kavod anyway if the parent forgives it. Harav shemachal kvodo ain't kvodo machul. But if your teacher cancels 
um, the, their honor, then that honor is not forgiven. That is, the relationship you have with your teacher is of a higher level or more severe necessity of kavod. Again, because of the, the Bryce that says, ain't kavod la Torah, and you have to show kavod to anyone who teaches you Torah, it's more objective about your relationship with Torah and with God in a different way than the relationship with your parents. It might also be like a Maybe in our society for sure. In Chazal society, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, they were v- a very rigidly hierarchical, uh, deferential society for their parents and their elders in a way that we've lost. So I don't know. Uh, it's a very good question to think about. Okay, but Rav Yosef And Rav Yosef says even a teacher who's mochel on their kavod yomam. God walked in front of them during the day. That what God was going to lead the whole Machane Israel was a whole big thing. You know that was, that's like schlepping in the desert. So obviously, as if God was mochel on God's own kavod in that situation, and therefore we can learn that extension. Again, it's one of the many places where the relationship with someone who teaches you Torah and from God are analogies, right? Um, um, and things like Rabbi Akiva coming up. Okay. So, it's God's world. The Torah Dilehu. And the Torah is God's Torah. So, Machilei Likra. Hacha Torah Dilei. He. But in this case, right? So, what's going on? It's Torah Dilei. It's Kavod, is Talui Torah. Right? Meaning, in one case, you're talking about God being Mochel on God's own. Kavod. But in another case, the Rav is being mochel not on the Rav's own Kavod, it's on Kavod HaTorah. That is, the only reason you show Kavod to your teacher is because you're showing Kavod for the Torah. It's not actually about the person. And therefore, they don't have a right. The Rav doesn't have a right to be mochel on his, his or her own Kavod in the sense that teacher can't be mochel their Kavod because their Kavod is a stand-in for the Kavod HaTorah uh, in a way that a teacher to their students represents the chain of transmission, represents the whole notion of Torah Shebaal Peh. It's a very different notion than just treating this person with respect. It's actually about the whole process of learning Torah. Okay. So, I'm a Rava in Torah Dilehi. No. So he says, in Torah Dilehi. No, the Torah is his, his own Torah. That is the teacher's Torah. That is, the honor you show for the teacher is not because of the person, but actually is because of the Torah, but it's the Torah, their own Torah. You are engrossed in his Torah day and night, but it's Torah to, his own Torah as if. That is, a person who's a teacher has actually acquired that Torah for themselves. It's not about showing kavod for somehow someone else's Torah, God's Torah. The Torah that you're showing kavod for actually is the Torah that they acquire for themselves, and therefore you really are showing kavod for the person, and therefore the person would have the right to be mochel on their kavod. Okay. In Rava, So Rava went to, uh, it was at his son's wedding, and he was drinking a glass of wine, Vedale Kasa Lira Papa, and he Ula Rahuna, uh of Yoshua. And he gave a glass of wine to Rapapa and to Rabhuna, the son of Rav Yoshua. The Kamikame Rabab Mari, Ulra Pinchas Braid, Rav Kizda, Below Kamikame. So and they came before these other rabbis and they didn't stand up for them. So Ikbid they got upset. The Amar Han Rabanan Rabanan, the Han Rabanan Lab Rabanan and some of the people said, Those rabbis, those are really rabbis, and those rabbis they're not really rabbis. The two Rapapa have a mashki big lula the Abba uh, Barbara, so then, and uh, Rapapa was at the wedding of um, Abba Mar uh, Barbara. So Abba Mar, that, that is presumably is Papa Barpapa, is uh, uh, Abu Mari Barpapa, 
that we know from the Siyum. So it's, it's, his name was probably Papa, Papa Bar Papa, that's why he's Abba Mar Bar uh, Bray. Uh, so he's at his son's wedding. Videli like Castle of Yitzchak Bray, he gave a glass of wine to Yitzchak, his son, Rabbi Huda, and to Rabbi Huda, Velokam, Mekame, and he didn't stand up for the Vikbid, Afilachi, Hazer Rabbi Lay. Um, but he was still he did a hidur hidur is like where you kind of like sort of get up but you don't like really get up okay uh, I think it's a good place to stop